When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everyone. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and you're listening to Superwomen. Today's episode is with Elisa Kreisinger, the founder and creator of the incredibly successful podcast on Refinery29 called Strong Opinions Loosely Held. If you haven't heard the podcast, definitely take a listen. She holds nothing back, and I could have probably talked to her all day. In this episode, we talk about what she wanted to be versus what she ended up doing how she made a career transition, and how to really ask for what she wanted and really making it not that scary. Take a listen. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm such a huge fan of you, and you look beautiful. Oh, thanks. Well, I have fake eyelashes on, so I'm telling everybody so they don't think that this is natural. For those of you who can't see, your eyelashes look beautiful. You have like a glow. Thanks. So happy and great. Oh, thanks. I call it like distract from the exhaustion. So I'm like, if I have the earrings and the face Mm -hmm. oil and the fake eyelashes, then you won't see how tired I am. So tell us who you are. I'm Elisa Kreisinger. Um, I am a writer, host, and producer. I have a show at Refinery29 called Strong Opinions Loosely Held, the podcast. So if you're listening right now, feel free to swipe up and go to podcast and or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe. It's also a video series and it's pop culture, politics, and we take big issues and like a blooming onion, kind of unwrap them one by one. So what gave you the idea to launch a podcast? Because you were at Refinery, yeah. probably doing the regular job. Yeah. yeah. And then you said, hey, I have an idea. Yes. There were so many dudes in podcasting and they were getting so much press and it kind of pained me to hear so many male voices in a medium that was just emerging. And we know that when emerging media happens, it's like this great opportunity for new creators to lay the groundwork for the future and to build new stories and to take storytelling in a new and interesting direction. And I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to add to the chorus of voices who were highlighting that issue and join the women who were in that space and be one myself. And I never wanted to be in front of the camera. So it was like a really great, selfishly for me, it worked with my neuroses really well. But you also said it's a video series. So yeah, I got over that neuroses okay. with a lot of help <laughs> from my therapist, Amy Jones. And um, she was on my podcast, my therapist. She's awesome. And um, I did get over that. I We had a really popular thing going with our audience and they wanted a video series. So we made it into a video series and it ended up being the fastest growing franchise at Refinery. We grew it to over 700,000 viewers, fans on our Facebook channel. Um, And it was syndicated with Snapchat and Amazon, Facebook Watch. So it grew into this really cool thing. And I was really happy with it because I felt like it was my voice, literally my voice, but also, you know, stuff that I had been trying to figure out myself and not knowing the answer to like, for example, like why are there so many shows about wives, like baseball wives, real housewives of every city, mob wives hockey wives, football wives, but yet young women aren't marrying. Like, why are we obsessed with being wives? But also it really pisses me off because it gives the worst view of women. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like these catty bitches that fight. And then you're like, oh, 
maybe that's why I don't want to get married because I don't, that's the only example I'm being shown, you know? Totally. And, and like most of those women aren't even really wives. Right. Like, what does it say about female friendships too? It's awful. I actually pitched a show to several networks that was showing the positive side of female friendships and the camaraderie and the helping. And they were all like, there's no drama in that. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. That'll never work. The consumer will never watch. And I was like, that's sad. It's sad. That's how we learn to behave. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, if we just, I mean, we'd save so much again on therapy. Okay. So for those listening, I'm sure there's a curiosity around, you know, there's the people that put their head down, they work, they mm-hmm. have an idea, they might not want to speak up. It's different or outside of their lane. How did you get the balls for lack of a better term or the, just like, I know I want to do something, but then mm-hmm. you actually did it. So what was that? How did you cross that barrier? Totally. That's a great question. I, set up meetings and I just figured I would apologize if it was, if it went the wrong way. Um, I set up meetings with podcasting like platforms and tried to and talk to other podcasters and talk to other people who were running um, podcasts at other publishers and did my own competitive analysis and took it to refinery and said, here's what other people are doing. Here's what I'd like to do. Here's what the first season's going to look like and sound like. And I took it on as, um, as like my, my job and, uh, decided to, again, like apologize if it went wrong. And it was a ton of extra work, but I think showing, at least in publishing and in digital publishing, showing your boss what other people are doing. I mean, like, here's where our niche is. Like, here's where our value add is. This is what we can add to this conversation. Or no one else is doing that. Why don't we do it? Now, in some instances, there could be a really great reason why no one is doing it. Like a bunch of people tried and they failed for some reason. And likely it was the same reason for everyone. But um, I just figured if I hit that wall, fine, then at least I know. I don't know. I'm not quite sure how that translates for other people outside of digital publishing. But I do know this, taking the route of doing a competitive analysis and saying like, okay, every other competitor is doing this. And here's where I feel like we can be better than them or compete with them in some way. And here's why it works for you is who wouldn't say like, yeah, go do it. Totally. Especially if you're enthusiastic. So you call yourself the pop culture pirate. Yeah. Talk to me about what that means. So when I first got started making content on the internet, I felt very passionate about, I, I would call it looting and plundering from patriarchy. And uh, I, if you don't know, I'm a women's studies major. And I felt like I wanted to use popular culture to talk back to popular culture in its own language. So I would make these mashups and remixes. Like I re-edited every man out of Sex and the City and just made it about female friendship and women falling in love with each other. And where can people watch this? It's on YouTube, got okay. somewhere, if it hasn't been removed for copyright violation. Okay. But um, I did the same thing with Mad Men. Like all my favorite shows, I would kind of re-edit them to be feminist leaning in some way. And it was because there was really no like great feminist TV shows at the time. And it kind of got pigeonholed into the art world. So I would show them at galleries and museums. And it was a great opportunity to go all over the world and see my work in Berlin and um, in Sweden. And it was awesome. But like nobody buys video art, (laughs) you know, like and then there was a lot of copyright issues with it as well. So I was um, heavily involved in testifying um, Congress on or changing the rules of the game when it came to using copyrighted culture. And like that might seem totally legal, legalese, but it really comes down to making gifts and videos, video sharing legal and like fun on the internet. And it, and so I did a lot of work around fair use and sampling and making sure that we could 
sample things and take things out of culture to critique them or pay homage to them. Wow. Yeah. And you did this before refinery. Yeah. Yeah. This was like when I got out of college. Okay. Yeah. And then you headed to refinery or you had, what was your path in between? Yeah. I really wanted to be an artist and I didn't know how to do that or monetize that. And I was really, really struggling with going to galleries and seeing my work on the wall and not knowing how to sell it, knowing that no one would buy it. And I needed a full-time job because I was turning 26 or 25 and off my parents' health insurance. So I worked a bunch of different jobs, like consulting and stuff, but then I needed the health insurance. So I went to Eileen Fisher where I love the brand. I love Eileen. She's such a feminist thought leader in the space of giving women clothing that they feel comfortable moving in and being able to run and like just feel good and comfortable in their clothes. And so I went there and I did artist stuff on the side and I bifurcated my identity. And nine to five, I was in the office and um, was doing admin work. And then before work and after work, I was going to galleries and prepping my work and doing my artist residency. I did an artist residency at IBM Art and Technology Center, just trying to figure out like, how the fuck do I make this all work? And then it just got to be a lot to bifurcate your identity between like your creative side and your admin side. Like, yeah. That was a lot. My identity. I didn't know who I was. So did you unite it back together? Um, <laughs> or did you just yeah. trash your artist identity? Um, I mean, I think I was in a relationship with somebody who was able to be creative and make money in advertising. And I was like, man, she doesn't have to compromise. She gets to go to work. She's paid for it. And she get, her creative labor is like recognized as a thing. Sure, it's sold to like Coke <laughs> and like all these brands that are probably terrible, but um, not probably are, but she gets to be creative. And so I set out to try and figure out a way to monetize my creativity outside of the art world. I ended up going to Upworthy, um, which was one of the first digital publishers that focused on mission-driven content. And I made a bunch of viral videos for them and um, was a creative director there. And I was written up in the New York Times. Like that was really fun. Just like making stuff for a company that had a platform. And then from there, I went to Refinery and started doing feminist video content for Refinery. And that's how I got in the office and then to doing my competitive analysis for podcasts and video series. I'm going to say, I feel like you joined it back together. Try, still, yeah. I mean, obviously trying. you're not doing video art the way you were, but That's you... okay. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, going to galleries, people gave me such shit for having a full-time job. Right. So much shit. Yeah. And like, it just wasn't my space. Like I wanted to find my people. And I think I realized those weren't my people. Right. You know? Totally. It was only for people who had like, independent wealth. Yes. Yes. So I've met some of those people. They're interesting. Yeah. And they're not bad. They just weren't my people. Right. So you imbue a lot of humor in what you do. Tell me why you think that's important. Yeah, that's a good question because no one wants to be lectured at. And I think I have, I really want to make a point like with the wives analogy. Like I had this question of why are we watching myself included? I love the Real Housewives. Watch the Real Housewives of New Jersey, New York City. I love trash, what we would consider like trash TV, but, uh, and I love it analyzing it. Um, but nobody like myself included wants to watch a five minute lecture, especially from a woman on like why this is bad. Nobody wants their toys taken away from them. Like we work so fucking hard. Like all we're due at the end of the day is like to be able to sit on the couch and watch what we want to watch. You know what I mean? Like 
I don't want to take that away from me. Right. But I do think it brings up really interesting issues of like race and class and gender when we are watching these things. Like those things come up like, like why are we glorifying women who are fighting with each other? Right. Drunk and, you know, toppling tables over whatever. So I think humor plays an important role for me in my work because it allows me to address things that we all think about or like question in private. But when you're watching a video about it, it needs to be broken up because otherwise it's just a long lecture on something that we really hold dear and plays an important role in our life for us and is like slowly being taken away. <laughs> like No one wants their toys taken away, especially from a woman who's white and telling you that you shouldn't watch it anymore. Um, I would love to talk about whether it was on your podcast or just in your history of having a critical eye or putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. What's been a challenging situation and what did you do? I got called out once for being transphobic because in a promo for the video series, I said something along the lines of like, if you think gender is a construct, I had this whole list of things. I was like, if you're a smart woman, if you're this, if you're that, if you think gender is crazy and stupid and a construct, then you'll like the video series. And um, somebody was like, you know, gender actually plays a really important role for people, especially trans people. It was seen as as transphobic and I didn't intend it to be that way. Um, it was a 30 second little promo and it was just kind of written off the cuff. And I realized that the content that I make and the people who watch it are obviously super smart and should call me out on that stuff. And that was hard for me to hear because I didn't intend it that way, but that didn't mean that it didn't hurt somebody. So it was just like, I guess like relationship 101, like you didn't intend to hurt this person with the comment you made, but it did hurt their feelings. So learning that was, was hard. Yeah. And that, yeah. Trying to figure out like how to, how to apologize. How did it happen in the first place? I think the comments from people, I mean, I post some on my Instagram all the time from men who are like, you are just trash. Like, you know, you should just be raped and slaughtered. Like all that wow. stuff is a lot easier for me to take. Cause I'm just like, thank you so much for your feedback. I'm so happy you got a lot out of this video. Is that not scary is, for you? It used to be, but n- not so much anymore. Cause people get a kick out of it on Instagram. They love it. They love that stuff. So it's, it's, it's nice to be able to like take it back and make it public. So it's not just me dwelling on it or like getting scared over it. Yeah. That stuff doesn't bother me, but the stuff from the people who I feel like I'm making content for that feedback resonates a little bit harder and is harder for me to like take and see and understand and admit that like maybe I messed up. Right. Yeah. Is there something on the, on your podcast that you wish you would be able to cover, but you haven't figured out how to tackle it yet? Yeah. I mean, the great thing about podcasts is that you can go into any kind of wormhole, right? Because it, it's it, audio goes like right to your brain and your heart. And so there's a direct correlation. So you can kind of go down a rabbit hole and lead people there. With video, it's a lot harder to do because you have to visually show them stuff. Just like two senses is hard. I can deal with one sense. <laughs> two is a lot. So I like that with audio, you can go down all these rabbit holes. And one of the rabbit holes I really want to go down but I'm not sure I have the prowess to do so is this trend of people of the media of, uh, of all of us, like glorifying this idea of this teacher took vacation days to get over cancer or like this guy walked all these miles to get to work. Like we glorify these stories and, and they're like on good morning America and we see them all over social media. Like, and he got a car as a result. It's like, why do we glorify these stories of extreme hardship? to show how hard life is for, for people. 
when really like there's a easy there's an easy solve for it like if we all agree that this this story is like bad and wrong there's an easy solve for that which is like getting making sure health insurance covers that kind of stuff i don't know i just keep seeing these stories of this teacher had to leave work and everyone around him rallied around to give them all his vacation days so he could finish chemo i mean right you're like, it's just, just so give him the up. days so he can finish chemo right yeah right you know <laughs> yeah so just like glorification of hardship is is i just see that as a trend and seems like an interesting onion to pull apart yes yeah so what would you like to see changed through the work you do women work so fucking hard like i just saw a stat that was that said women are the majority of nonprofit workers, but men make up the majority of nonprofit leadership. It's just in every industry, like women, we just work so fucking hard with so little. So I'd want that to change. Yeah. I'd like to change Is that a downer? No, not a downer at all. It's okay to have downers. Um, This might be a downer or not, but how do you stay in, how, what would you say to people to stay engaged without shutting down? Because I know for Mm. me, even the last month, I reached a point of like oversaturation of news of my phone of everything i just turned off all notifications on my phone and i already feel better as a human and i also am forcing myself i only will check my phone in the subway you know not Mm -hmm. on my walk with my head down right right what do you feel about being engaged and does it shut you down or do you do you get exhausted by it i think i i don't know that i'm i'm shutting down um, because I think I'm in denial about it, but I can give you advice on what I probably should do. <laughs> I like that. Um, I, <laughs> I think there's a lot of glorification of self-care. I'll talk about self-care, self-care. And like, it's so easy to go buy a mask and go get a pedicure, go buy a crystal, go on goop and get like some beautifully packaged non-medical alternative to like cure our depression and anxiety. If those things work for you, do it. I am not criticizing any of those products. Like if your weighted blanket works, wait under there, you know, like do it. I have a hard time though, negotiating the selling and the proliferation of those products with my reality, which is like, nothing works for me. Why doesn't anything work? Why doesn't this salt lamp work? Why doesn't this candle work? Like I'm realizing that I need to figure out what self-care means for me. And I know that that's like thrown around all the time, but it's so hard because it requires so much self reflection inward. And that's really hard and scary. So um, I'm trying to figure out that that actually means for me, like going to a soul cycle class, like going to a really fucking expensive class, that's over $30. It has to be over $30 or else I get nothing out of it. No, I go into an expensive class because it gets me out of my own head. Being around people gets me out of my own head. And I have a tendency when I'm overwhelmed to just shut down and be inside and watch Real Housewives. But getting out and being among people in an overly priced, expensive workout class seems to work. Going to therapy works. This is such bullshit, but I'm trying to eliminate sugar because I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to sugar and wheat. And that's not like some crazy, I, whenever people would say that, I'd be like, Oh, it's like a low-key eating disorder, which is terrible to think. Everyone should do whatever they need to do. But I've read a lot about, it's called the diet cure. Um, and I've read a lot about the link between sugar and depression, white bread, like white wheat or whatever, um, white carbohydrates and depression. And so I'm trying to wean myself off of that because every time I get depressed or need like a serotonin hit, I'd be like, where are those gummies? Like I kept Haribo afloat 
I think, for the last year. Why don't you do the sugar-free Haribo? Then you can still have your Haribo and you won't get to... <sighs> do they do sugar-free? Yes, they do because I buy it for my children. Really? Yes. Well, what's it made of? You might have some diarrhea, but yeah. it's worth it. <laughs> I've tried the sugar-free route for other things. I just don't think... It definitely did not agree with me. <laughs> it's because but... the, uh, the side effect is a, la- a mild laxative. No way. Is it really? Yeah. That explains... So much. Yeah. I've also started going to Al-Anon meetings. And I had that experience in Al-Anon, just to bring it full circle. I had been on no sugar all day and like gone to an Al-Anon. This might be TMI. Feel free to cut this out. But like, we like TMI. It really does work as a laxative. Yes. I didn't know that. I mean, I felt it. That the I sugar alcohol it. has a side effect sometimes. Yeah. See, I... I'm I'm trying to figure out what it is about my personality that makes me addicted to th- addicted to sugar and replacing it with that it seemed like me replacing one addiction with another. Right. You know? Yeah. So I got to work that out. Okay. I got to figure I respect that out. That. Yeah. Talk to me about challenges. It's so hard to be on the other side of the microphone. That's my challenge right now of just answering questions. This is my Barbara Walters moment yeah. here. <laughs> got to give me my got to make you cry. I'm just kidding. Yeah, really it'll be easy. Um, no, uh, challenges. I think that I escaped a lot of my problems personally in my work. So I would always put work first. I would be early. I would leave late. Nothing would prevent me from getting to a meeting. And I think that that comes with being emotionally invested in your work too. Like, because I did that pitch meeting and I was like, here's how to, let's do a podcast. Let's make it into a franchise. Let's build this thing out. So it goes across a variety of platforms. That was great and really successful, but it also meant that I was so emotionally invested in my work that it became my identity. Right. And when that leaves, does my identity leave? You know, work is not, I just, I'd never really put it into perspective. I always put work first. And at the end of the day, like work never puts you first, you know, it's just, so I think my biggest challenge is kind of, I need to distance myself and find my identity in other places and other communities in with other women, friends, whatever, um, outside of just work, because it's not, it's an inherently abusive relationship. Right. You know? Right. It's always going to be. It's always asking for more. It's unsatiable. Right. Without really giving you much back uh, emotionally. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So that's been my biggest challenge is kind of separating those two identities out and figuring out who is Elisa and who is Elisa at work. Have you encountered with the success you've created with the show and the platform that you sometimes go, well, why am I doing it here? Do you? Yeah. Just like, do you ever think, oh, I want to branch out on my own? Totally. Yeah. I think about branching out on my own a lot. Um, And come 2019, I will be branching out on my own. Oh, news (laughs) to share. Well, this will air in 2019. So can you share anything? Yeah. So I'll still be with Refinery hosting Strong Opinions as a podcast and video series. But I will be um, able to do other outside projects, which I've been working on and, and again, trying to figure out like who I am, what I want outside of my identity at Refinery. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm also so scared because it means that I need to figure out who I am and right. put those pieces of the puzzle together live in real time. And that scares me. And what are you doing to kickstart that? So I'm making sure I have enough runway financially, obviously. Um, and I feel like I'm starting a small business, which is exciting and fun, but it also means again, needing support from community and finding the people who 
really believe in you and your work. I want to still do strong opinions because I built that baby and that's something that I care deeply about because it is my voice. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I'm stretching and growing and and doing this thing that I've always wanted to do, work in comedy and TV. I ask the same two questions of everyone on my podcast as I wrap it up. And I'm going to encourage you to share something that people would be surprised to know about you. And the more embarrassing, the better. Mm. I feel like I've, I've already shared my embarrassing statement, which was that I've eaten sugar-free candy and really <laughs> suffered as a result. <laughs> now I learned they're a laxative. I did not know that at the time. That's my embarrassing share number one. So I was a competitive figure skater for the majority of my life. Wow. Yeah. And that was really fun. And I learned a lot about competitiveness. sports. Yeah. And competitiveness. Um, and just like what I'm willing to put up with and what I'm not. And I think like now that we've seen USA Gymnastics, USA Swimming, all the stuff that's come out about young women in individual sports, I... At the time, I thought like, oh, my God, I'm not good enough to be here. I don't want to do this. What's my level of tolerance of like the shit I'm going to put up with um, in order to work through these physical hurdles? And looking back, I'm like, damn, like I didn't want to put up with like coaches, emotional bullshit. Like at the time, I thought that I was weak for doing that. But now looking back, I'm like, that was actually kind of smart and self protection in a way that I didn't realize at the time. Right. And not wanting to pursue the sport that I had spent so much time training for, giving all of that up because I didn't want to be emotionally whatever abused by coaches or the club or whatever. That was a really good boundary. Yeah. And I'm, and looking back, I'm proud of myself for drawing that boundary, even though at the time I didn't know what the word boundary meant or, or any of that. Yeah. I look back and I'm, I'm proud of myself for doing that. I, Tanya, is one of my favorite movies. Oh, yeah, so good. So good, Love man. It. I'm I growing mean, a little Tanya Harding myself. Are you? Yeah. Get out. Well, she's not a figure skater, but she has the crazy energy that at least is portrayed in the movie of, right, of right. Tanya. Um, my last question for you, um, you did give great nuggets of advice, but any last advice you'd like to leave our ladies with? Mm. And our men, we're not ignoring you. Any advice? I think take all advice with a grain of salt mine and anyone else's you hear and take what works for you and leave the rest. Don't let it make you feel guilty, ashamed, shitty. Same thing with religion. Same thing with like any sport, like take what you need to get out of it and leave the rest and don't let it make you feel any other way for, um, for leaving that on the table. Take what you need and leave the rest. Love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored. You're so wonderful. Oh, you're wonderful. I could sit here and talk to you all day. Ditto. Let's do it. Where do we listen to you again? Oh, so um, Strong Opinions Loosely Held. You can follow me on Twitter at Pop Cult Pirate and on Instagram at Pop Culture Pirate. And I post all of our videos and all of our content there. So that's the easiest way. Awesome. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you for having me. Yeah. Bye. Bye. That was Elisa Kreisinger on Superwomen. What I love about Elisa is she's unfiltered. It's something that this podcast has allowed me to be more of with you. Um, and I appreciate all that she brings to the table with her views and how to make really serious things funny. I hope you enjoyed and thanks for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review us wherever you listen to podcasts or send me a DM or email me superwomen at rebeccaminkoff.com.